Hey there, Packer fans, and welcome to another episode of Packers in Law. I am Jake, the Packer veteran, and uh, hopefully I sound a little less sick than last time. I'm pretty much over it, still have a couple lingering coughs and such, but uh, hopefully I sound much better than I did last week. I know I sounded pretty rough, or I should say two weeks ago. Uh, which I should say, I should apologize. I didn't really explain my plan here, mostly because my head was full of crap, uh, literally, and it was kind of hard to think things through. Uh, but since the Packers had a bye week, I figured I would take a bye week for myself just to kind of heal up, uh, which I think worked. But um, that's why there was an episode last week. Packers didn't play a game, so we'll just catch up on everything in this episode. We'll talk about the Panthers game. Uh, we'll talk about what the NFC North did the last two weeks. And then, of course, we'll talk about uh, this week's game against San Francisco. So let's start, of course, with the Panthers. Uh, I mean, really, the main takeaway from this game, it was it was a close call. Uh, maybe not as dominant as we would have liked to see the Packers play at home, especially in that kind of atmosphere, but a W is a W, or as the kids say, a dub's a dub. Uh, it's a it's a win against a pretty good team. I know that they went and then laid a big-time egg against the Falcons last week, but the Falcons, for some reason, have decided that they actually want to play football again this year after starting 1-7. Uh, caught the Saints by surprise and now the Panthers. Uh, but yeah, Panthers are a pretty good team, and I feel like the Packers, you know, yeah, they could have played better, but, you know, they did enough to win. They got one turnover. Uh, they ran the ball pretty well. Uh, Rodgers had another pretty pedestrian game from what we know he can do, so that was kind of interesting to see that, but the running game was working pretty well. And, uh, you know, the defense let him get all the way down to the doorstep, literally, and luckily they closed the door on him when they did. So, uh, but yeah, so, you know, the week going way back to the episode before the Panther game, you know, I said the, the key matchup, and, you know, I, I, I'm not trying to make myself sound like some kind of Nostradamus here, because everybody probably could have told you this. But the key matchup in that Panthers game was really how the Packers were going to guard Christian McCaffrey. And honestly, I said they did a pretty good job. I mean, so he had 108 rushing yards on 20 carries. That's over five yards a carry, so that's not great. But, I mean, he might be the best running back in the league right now in terms of overall uh, skill. You know, as a runner and a receiver, uh, you know, if you want to argue about the best pure runner, the best running back who catches passes, you know, I'll, I'll listen to whatever argument you want to make. But overall, I think there's little question that he is the best, if one of the best, if not the best, I would say top three. Um, so that's, you know, that's actually one of his lower rushing totals the last couple of games. So I'll take that. And like I said, really, you know, he's so good at, out of the backfield as a receiver. Uh, Packers held him to six catches for 33 yards. That, I think, is pretty good. Uh, I was really worried about, you know, how the Panthers were going to try to utilize him in space against linebackers or edge rushers, you know, that play where he comes out of the backfield and suddenly it's like, oh, no, you know, Preston Smith, who was supposed to rush the passer, now has to flank out and try to guard Christian McCaffrey in the open field. That's a big problem. I love Preston Smith, don't get me wrong, but we didn't sign him – to all that money to uh, try to cover running backs out in the flat. Uh, but yeah, so six, excuse me, six catches for 33 yards. Not bad. Not bad at all. Uh, 141 total yards of offense uh, is still a lot. You know, still definitely made some plays, but uh, one of his lower totals this season, so I'll take it. Um, looking at other aspects of the, of the game from the Panthers' offense, tight ends are definitely still a problem. Uh, for the Packers, uh, Greg Olson, who, you know, I wouldn't say he, he's definitely not in his prime anymore, but he's still, I think, 
an upper the upper echelon of tight ends. Uh, I think you could say top fifteen. Some of you could even say top ten, possibly. Um, anyway, he had eight catches for ninety eight yards. That's twelve yards a catch. Uh, I don't know what it is about the tight end position this year, but uh, the Packers just not have not defended it particularly well. Uh, you look back to against the Raiders and Darren Waller. Uh, you know the Eagles with their two good tight ends. Um, you know, I guess Hunter Henry didn't tear us up in the Chargers game, but we had other issues in that game, a lot of other issues. But, uh, yeah, for whatever reason, tight ends are just a mystery this defense hasn't solved yet. And depending on if George Kittle, who's questionable right now, will probably be a game-time decision, we'll, of course, talk about this later, uh, that could be, I think, the biggest factor in, in that game coming up. But like I said, for all the problems, defense stood up when it had to. You know, they stopped a Panthers drive with the interception when – uh, Amos, you know, knocked, should have picked it off himself, but then tipped it to Tremont Williams, who got an interception. Uh, really surprised to hear that. Um, so last year, you know, Williams' first year back with the Packers, uh, you know, that was the first time in his career he had he didn't have an interception all season. And so that was his first one in a very long time, uh, at least in a Packer uniform. So good to see him get that, even though, like I said, Amos definitely should have had. Also, Jair Alexander probably should have had another pick in this game. Uh, made a great break on a, on a pass, I believe, on the last drive that he wasn't able to haul in. But, you know, the defense stood up when they had to. They stopped him there. They stopped him at the end of the game. Um, and at the end of the day, the Packers won the game 24-16. So uh, I don't know what else you want, but, you know, like John Mann always says, uh, or he used to say at least, you know, the only stats that matter are the points. So you score more points than your team, you win the game. That's what the Packers did. Uh, let's talk about the offense a little bit. Uh, Aaron Jones is just keep he's just going to keep on keeping on what he's doing. Uh, 93 yards on 13 carries. That's seven over seven yards a carry. That's more of the Aaron Jones that we know from the last couple seasons. Uh, three more touchdowns. I mean, the guy is just producing at a crazy level right now. Again, this really brings the fact that McCarthy was seemingly hesitant to use him. Uh, in a question. Although I will say there have been some articles recently about how Aaron Jones wasn't in as good a shape as he is this season and that his body was not ready to be, you know, that kind of traditional old school workhorse running back. And even in this game, you know, Jones produced great, but also Jamal Williams had a great game himself. It's funny to me, I think Jamal Williams has been a really great a key player for us this year. And I remember back in August. Uh, there were rumors floating around that the Packers were going to cut him at the end of training camp because he hadn't really done much in preseason. Uh, you know, we just had we just drafted this rookie Dexter Williams, who apparently we were really high on. I remember talking about this with my dad and a couple other Packer fans, and they were all kind of like, "Eh, we might he might be a a last cut casualty." So uh, good to see him. You know, maybe not being a, as big a star as Jones, but still being important to the team and thriving. Uh, it's that's nice to see. Um, so let's talk about that last play. Uh, the last play of the game, as it turned out, where McCaffrey tried to uh, reach across the goal line and was unable to. Um, you know, looking at the replays, I'm pretty sure, you know, some people were saying that they they let the call stand because they didn't have, you know, conclusive evidence that he crossed the goal line. I would actually say that the call should have been confirmed. Uh, I'm pretty sure looking at the plays that he never got in, um, but, you know, that's just my opinion. But uh, apparently that last play was actually illegal. So I know there's been a whole, a whole thing about, you know, 
uh, if there's a runner in football, whether it be a receiver after making a catch or you know a running back or what have you, apparently there's a rule that says, uh, you know, back in the old days at least, it used the rule used to be you could not aid the runner in any way. So you couldn't push him, you couldn't pull him. Uh, my favorite example of this is Packer fans should know this well. Uh, when Bart Starr had his quarterback sneak to beat the Cowboys in the Ice Bowl, uh, you know, there's that famous photo of the running back, you know, holding his arms. You know, as he dove over the pile, holding his arms up over his head, and uh, you know, everyone always thinks, "Oh, he's simply touchdown because he sees that Bart Starr's in." And how cool is that? Uh, but the very back himself has said that um, he, what he was actually doing there was trying to hold his hands up, saying, "Like I didn't push Bart Starr in the end zone. You know, don't throw a flag on me." Uh, that was what he said he was doing. So that used to be the rule, uh, but apparently the pushing rule is not a thing anymore. Uh, we've, I, I know, you know, I can't think of an ex- a specific example, um, but you've all seen it. You've all seen the big stack up on the goal line, and an offensive lineman comes and push the, pushes the running back into the end zone, and he scores. Or, you know, some guy pushes a guy across the first down marker. You've all seen it. I know you have. Um, but it, So apparently pushing is legal now, and I have confirmed that in the rule book. It is legal. Pulling somebody, however, is illegal, and that is exactly what happened at the end of this game. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, you know, was got kind of wrapped up by Kyler Fackrell, who, you know, funnily enough, was making a little shift and then looked like he was kind of unprepared for the snap to start and ended up making the play anyway. Uh, so props to him for that. Um, but, yeah, then one of the offensive player, I think it was Van Roten, who's a former Packer, actually, uh, tried to pull him into the end zone with him. And actually, I guess the refs could have thrown a flag and probably should have thrown a flag on that uh, because that is illegal. You cannot pull a player in the answer. You can push, but you can't pull. Back in the old days, you couldn't do either one. Now, apparently, pushing is not frowned upon anymore. Uh, so that actually wasn't a legal play by Carolina. So they could have thrown a flag if, if in fact, you know, he hadn't been able to cross the, the plane. But luckily, here in, uh, in this timeline, we don't have to worry about any of that because, of course, he did not score. So... So yeah, like I said, Packers win, 24-16. Uh, for Unsung Hero this week, I mean, you could talk about Kyler Fackler. I really feel like no one's talking about him very much uh, because, again, he looked kind of like he wasn't prepared for that snap to happen and still made the play that saved the game anyway. Uh, but I'm also going to give a shout-out to Kevin King. I feel like he's had a really hot and cold up-and-down season. Seems like in games he'll make a great play and then come back and do something really stupid. Uh, I'm really rooting for the guy. I mean, he's had a ton of injuries. I feel like he has a ton of talent. He's a you know big cornerback. Um, in this game, he led the Packers with nine solo tackles, had the most on the defense. Then, uh, so, you know, props to him for, you know, it seems like he's missed a lot of tackles this year, so props to him for getting nine tackles in the game. Uh, and also, like I said, shout-out to Kyler Fackero as well. Um, uh, and let's just, just a little quick note here. How about that atmosphere? Uh, Lambo. I know uh, a friend of mine, uh, Mr. Jacob Wampler, who I don't know if he knows about this podcast, but Jake, if you're listening, hi. Um, he went to the game. Uh, I went to college with him, and he went to the game, and he said the, the fourth quarter was about as magical as you can imagine. You know, snow coming down, uh, you know, not, not December, but, you know, the frozen tundra thing was going. Um, really about as good as, as good as it gets in terms of watching a football game uh, in the cold. So that was pretty neat to see that unfold the way it did. Uh, but so the Packers won, and they moved to 8-2 and two on the season. Then they had a bye last week. Uh, so, of course, before we talk about the 49ers and that, all the things that come with that game, uh, let's real quick go around and talk about the NFC North. 
so the Vikings, uh, in the last two weeks, they beat the Cowboys 28-24. Kirk Cousins won a game on the road in primetime. How about that? Uh, and then they beat the Broncos 27-23 in a game in which they were losing 20 to nothing at halftime. And they became the first team ever in NFL history to win a game after losing 20 to nothing at halftime. I mean, it was just nuts. I was really hoping the Broncos were going to do us a solid and give us a bigger lead in the division, but they couldn't quite close the deal. Um, so the Vikings are now 8-3. Uh, they have a bye this week. And just a little note, this is the last week you can have a bye in the NFL. So the Packers had one last week. Vikings will have one this week. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I'm old enough to remember when some the buys could happen anytime. Uh, I still remember, I don't know what year this was, but I remember looking at the NFL schedule in my local newspaper uh, back home in the Twin Cities and seeing that the Browns had a buy on the last week of the regular season and thinking how weird that was. Even, you know, I was probably mid-teens somewhere in there and just thinking, that's weird, why would they do that? Uh, so obviously things have changed since then uh, because now week 12 is the last week you can have a buy. So... Vikings go into a bye day in three. Uh, the Bears, uh, they did good things for us at least. They lost, or I guess they beat the Lions twenty to thirteen, and they lost to the Rams seventeen to seven. So they are now at four and six, and they will play host to the New York Football Giants uh, this Sunday. And the Lions uh, also helped us out, losing to the Bears twenty to thirteen, as I just said, and losing to the Cowboys thirty-five to twenty-seven. Of course, they are playing without. Their you know star quarterback Matthew Stafford who has broken bones in his back, uh, you know I don't have not experienced that for myself, but I imagine that makes it pretty hard to play football. Uh, so the Lions are now three six and one, and they will play on the road against the Washington Redskins uh, this week. <clears throat> Which of course brings us to the Packers' upcoming game against the 49ers at Levi Stadium in uh, not in San Francisco actually Santa Clara. California, it's a little, little confusion there. Uh, this game, of course, we all know now was flexed into the Sunday Night Football spot from its afternoon spot with Fox. Uh, seems like a good decision for NBC. Those are the NFC's top two seeds. Uh, this game very well could decide who gets home field advantage throughout the playoffs in the NFC. Um, you know, again, Packers are eight and two, Niners are nine and one. Uh, it's it, it, it's a big deal. It's a big game. Um, you know, the 49ers look the best they've looked probably since they went to the Super Bowl in 2013 or 2012, I guess. That was 2012 season, 2013 Super Bowl. You know, it's kind of annoying how that works. Um, but yeah, big night game at San Francisco. I was looking it up and I could be wrong on this, so uh, feel free to fact check me or, uh, you know, send me a thing on Facebook or Twitter if I'm wrong. But I'm pretty sure the last time the Packers played a night game in San Francisco was the dreaded you know, Colin Kaepernick makes Dom Capers look like the worst defensive coordinator in the world and runs for a billion yards, and the Packers end up losing by two touchdowns in the divisional uh, playoffs in 2012. Um, so actually, yeah, that same season, the Niners went to the Super Bowl, actually. I don't know, I'm thinking about it. Uh, so I think the Packers like to do a little bit better uh, this time in the night game. So coming into this game, the Packers are pretty healthy. They're about the healthiest they've been all season. A uh, couple injuries, um, I think Robert Tanyan is out and uh, Danny uh, Vitale has an injury he's dealing with. But most of the key guys, and I mean no offense to those two guys, oh, Cole Madison is uh, out with a torn ACL, apparently tore his ACL in practice, so I feel bad for him. Uh, but I think I think Vitale and um, Tanyan are questionable. Uh, but really, that, I mean, that's it. Those are the only injuries on the whole report that came out uh, earlier today. And that's not that bad. Uh, the 49ers, meanwhile, have a ton of people 
Um, they, we already know that uh, Joe Staley, their left tackle, and D. Ford, one of their pass rushers they got from Kansas City, uh, they have already been ruled out, so they will not play. Uh, two of their receivers, uh, recently acquired Emmanuel Sanders and Debo Samuel, are both questionable. Uh, Matt Breida, who's probably their best running back, I think it's pretty close between him and Tevin Coleman, but he's doubtful, so he probably won't play. And of course, as I, as I mentioned earlier, uh, George Kittle, the tight end, uh, again, that position the Packers have just struggled to defend this season. He is listed as questionable. The latest I've heard about him is he'll be a game-time decision. Uh, that's a huge game-time decision for the course of this game. Uh, as I said, the Packers have had trouble guarding these guys all year. Uh, Kittle is a top-three tight end. I think he's you know right up there with Travis Kelsey and uh, I guess Zach Ertz, I think I would say, are the top-three right now. I mean, there's other guys who... I think Ertz is that kind of a down year, but I think Kelsey is clearly the best guy. Um, and then, I, well, I guess there's some debate for that, but personally, I would say Travis, Travis Kelsey, best tight end. George Kittle number two, and then the third guy gets up for debate. I guess I would say Zach Ertz, but uh, I think there have been some other guys. Actually, Darren Waller, the guy from Oakland, has been playing pretty well too this year. So, my point is, he's a freaking good player, um, and the Packers again have struggled to defend tight ends. So that decision is going to factor huge into this game. He's also clearly, you know, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's favorite target, and especially if, you know, Sanders and Debo Samuel can't play. You know, that leaves Marquise Goodwin and a bunch of, you know, other guys who don't. Although Kendrick Bourne, number 84, he's actually come up big recently. Um, but still, Kills is it's Garoppolo's favorite target. He's their best offensive player, I think. Uh, so obviously that's a huge huge decision that will be made um, and I imagine with the uh, again with the stakes of this game I imagine Kittle will be trying to play but again game time decision we won't know until later um, something about the 49ers that I thought was interesting you know it helps that their pass rush is pretty fierce they have all these you know great athletes on the defensive line including rookie Nick Bosa who I think right now at least has the uh, inside track to be the defensive rookie of the year Excuse me. Um, yeah, they got a great pass rush. They've got pretty good cornerbacks and, and good linebackers. They're actually the number two team against the pass this season. And uh, so to me, you know, I mean, obviously we want Aaron Rodgers to have a good game, but if their pass defense is really good, I think, you know, last week the Packers had, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers had 29 pass attempts. The Packers had 27 rushing attempts total. Uh, 13 carries each for Jones and Williams, and then Rodgers had one play that was a scramble. I think you got to st- stick with that and maybe lean on the run even more, even more heavily. You know, keep the pass rush in check, um, and you know, do what you did against Kansas City. You know, if there are linebackers out there who aren't as good in coverage. Send Aaron Jones out there. You know, make him run a slant and go or a wheel route or whatever you can draw up uh, to you know to get the advantage. Um, and speaking of getting the advantage, I just want to talk a little bit about Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, you know, he's shown he can make plays, and he's had some pretty big games recently. Had four touchdowns, and they're kind of coming from a behind win against the uh, the Cardinals. But he still makes mistakes. Threw a couple of picks. I know a couple of those were tipped. Um, he's still a young guy. Obviously, he's talented, but he's not infallible. I know when he came in, he won his first six games, and everyone was like proclaiming him to be the next Tom Brady and the 49ers are going to win the next, you know, 10 Super Bowls or whatever it was. The guy's good, no question about it. I don't want to take anything away from him, but he's he's young and he's, 
he's mistake prone. Um, also, just thinking about that with the defensive line pressure, and obviously that's going to be important. I want to swing back to the unsung hero and also mention Zadarius Smith. I think he had 14 pressures in that game against the Panthers, and that's insane. He didn't have a sack, but uh, he was very disruptive all game long. And, uh, yeah, so I'm going to throw him in there too real quick. Anyway, sorry, back to the 49ers. Um, I, was, I was listening to Colin Coward uh, talk about the 49ers, and he said that, you know, their pass rush is really good. They have all these, you know, DeForest Buckner, Nick Bosa, you know, all these guys I mentioned. But it, it seems like quarterbacks who can scramble a little bit, uh, you know, they can kind of have defensive breakdowns. They said this happened against both, you know, Russell Wilson in the Thursday night game. or uh, And then um, I, guess Monday, I guess that was a Monday night game, not a Thursday night game. But then, yeah, also against the Cardinals last week. You know, you can evade that first wave, and it seems like they kind of get into trouble. They're not, you know, maintaining their lane consistency. And uh, it kind of can their defense can break down if you can you know kind of escape that first rush first wave of the pass rush. Uh, so hopefully Rodgers will be able to do that. He's been doing it for his whole career. Um, but again, those are some fearsome fearsome athletes that got on that defensive line. So it's going to be tough, no doubt. Um, so now we come down to the prediction, guys. I've struggled with this all week. Uh, my I, I visited my parents on Wednesday. Uh, my dad asked me if I was going to predict a Packer victory. I said I don't know. I was reading the NFL doc, or the ESPN column where you know they have because you know if you don't know how this works at ESPN every team has a dedicated columnist and each week they get together and predict each one of them predicts a score for the game you know that their two teams are playing against each other in uh, and the, both the Packers guy Rob Domofsky and the 49ers columnist whose name is escaping me uh, it's on ESPN if you want to go look at it they both picked the 49ers to win not by much but they both picked them to win. And again, I, f- I also feel like we're at a disadvantage because I do feel like a lot of this rides on whether or not George Kittle ends up playing in this game. I think that's hugely important uh, on both sides. However, in the beginning of the season, I did pick the Packers to win this game. You know, way back in August when we didn't know anything. I'm going to stick with that. And there's a couple reasons why. One, as I mentioned before, Packers are much, much healthier than the 49ers are. Forever is already missing two key players. Could be missing up to three or four more uh, on Sunday. We'll, we'll uh, obviously we'll see how that goes. Two, this is Aaron Rodgers coming back home. Like I said last time, we played a night game here. Uh, you know he played well, but the defense got shredded, and the Packers ended up losing by two scores uh, to the eventual NFC champions. And I think Rodgers wants to come out and, and you know show his home show his hometown that he still still has it. Uh, you know, he said this week that we got to win a game in San Francisco for once. And obviously, it, it, the thing is, right, it's right there for the Packers. They win this game, they have the inside track to home field advantage. I mean, obviously, anything can happen. They could lose the next two games, and the 49ers get it back if they win the next two. But this is the kind of game I feel less confident in back during the McCarthy era. And again, I, I really like Mike McCarthy. You know, we've already talked about all that. I think he had to, he had to go, but. I don't know. There's just something different about this team with the the attitude and the the confidence. So I'm gonna take the Packers to win, 28 to 26. I know that's a weird score, but I feel like it's gonna be really close. Honestly, if the Fires win this game, I won't be shocked. They're a very good football team. Obviously, they're nine and one. You don't get to be nine and one on accident. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna stick with the Packers. I'll take them to win. Aaron Rodgers coming back to his hometown and getting a victory. Um, 
and th- then the Packers gain the inside track to what is hopefully a two-game playoff appearance in Lambeau uh, this, this postseason. So, yeah, that is going to do it for this week. Um, I'm starting to kind of lose my voice again. Uh, but, yeah, as always, you can find this podcast at Packers or, excuse me, Pack to the Future, uh, com. It's a fan site. There's other podcasts, other articles, fun stuff like that. Go check it out. You can follow us, of course, on Twitter and Facebook at Packers in Law. You can email us, Packers in Law at gmail.com. Uh, you want to ask us a question or, you know, ask where Andy is or make fun of something I said that was stupid five weeks ago, please, any, anything you want. Uh, can't promise we'll read it on the air, but let's be honest, we probably will. Um, so yeah, we'll uh, we'll see what happens this Sunday night in San Francisco or Santa Clara, and I will talk to you guys next week. Go pack, go.